episode is brought to you by Guitar Lessons with Drew Hall. If you've ever wanted to start to learn guitar, or if you've been playing for years and want to raise your playing to the next level, contact Drew Hall for private lessons. Lessons are specially designed for each individual student that focus on your musical interests, goals, and even how you learn. All styles and skill levels are welcome. Lessons are also available over Skype. To book, please call 928 848 6784 or by email at drewhallguitarplayer at gmail.com. to the Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Today's guest is Gregory Gigi Gonaway, an American drummer and percussionist born in Phoenix, Arizona. Gonaway has been making his music since the 1970s and has played drums on recordings with artists such as Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, George Benson, Natalie Cole, and Steve Winwood, among many others. He has also toured extensively with Mariah Carey and Clarence Clemens. He was a protege of Narada Michael Walden's in the 1980s and 90s and worked at Tarpan Recording Studio with Walden on most of the major label acts he produced. If you'd like to learn more about Gigi Gonaway, please see our show notes to get links to his social media accounts and website. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We have such a brilliant and interesting and cool guest on the podcast today. His name is Gigi Gonaway. Say hi, Gigi. Hello, Gigi. Wait a minute. <laughs> hi. And um, like with all our guests, you have this incredible repertoire career and we're going to get into that, mm. but I like knowing how you turned into this person with this incredible history I like of playing incredible music. Mm. So let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? The beginning. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. You're a native. I'm a native. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 Um, yes, uh, in Phoenix, and um, my parents are both from Arizona as well. Wow, you, like, you're generationally deep. Very true. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah really funny. I didn't know that. About, see, and that's the other reason I love this podcast. Yeah. I learn things that I don't know. Yeah, it's and just it's crazy. so much yeah. fun. So you grew up in Arizona No, I, I was born in Arizona. Then my parents divorced, and they moved to California. Oh, so they how lived, old were you? I was over. probably about four or five. Okay, right little. Right on there. Yes, little. little, little Realized what was going on, but not real clear. Right. So part of my, my mother moved to Sacramento, California. Oh, north. Then my okay. dad lived in Oakland. Oh, so Which you were was, a Bay Area, Northern California guy. 100%. Yeah. Forever. So the Arizona thing was I would come to Arizona every summertime to visit my grandparents in Phoenix. So this is many, many, many years ago. But you kept ties here. So your, exactly. Or your family did. So you yes. were still coming back so and forth. So my grandparents, my favorite aunts, they all lived in about a three-block radius in Phoenix um, on the west side. Yeah. And now it's like kind of scary. Kind of scary but yeah. <laughs> back then, yeah. back then, amazingly enough, if you could see the gold top of the of the Capitol building, mm-hmm. that was considered like a really great area to live in. That was almost like the Beverly that Hills. That was yeah, that was the upper like you want to live on that side of the Incredible. of the city. Incredible little perfect little homes and everyone, all this community, and it was amazing. And um, as a kid coming back and forth, uh, it was just incredible to to kind of be able to 
kind of be in the Bay Area and then come to Arizona. Where right, I was going to say, because those are <clears throat> two very different yeah, experiences. Very much so, One yes. you have, I mean, just in topography, hot desert. Yes, yes. And the other you have cool bay, mm, oceanside. Precisely, yeah. And then you also have cultural differences. Oh my gosh, incredible, incredible. We lived in an area in Oakland. Um, very interesting. My father was a district attorney, yeah. uh, assistant district attorney in the city of Berkeley. And we lived in Oakland. But he also was head of a huge housing development in Oakland, California as well. So in back in the 70s and 80s, he developed a lot of the different areas that are still there in Oakland. Wow. Which is phenomenal. And we lived in an area called Montclair. Yeah. Montclair is a I know really, that area. Yeah, beautiful, very yeah. different area. <clears throat> and as a kid going there, um, it was fascinating because I came from Arizona and kind of came from living in Sacramento a little bit before I moved to the Bay Area as well. Right. And it was a complete shock as far as homes, um, topography, um, yeah. societal. I was going to say this, just the style of living. So different, but incredible. Just yeah. amazing. Were you, even that young, did you appreciate that? You know what I mean? Like when you growing up, going back and forth, were you aware of gaining this mixed experience or was it just what you did? It was the most, I was very aware. Yeah. It was the most amazing time in my life because I just felt like we were we were living this really fascinating, <clears throat> excuse me, <It's> okay. <clears throat> place of, of being in Sacramento, but then coming to the Montclair Bay Area. It was kind of like, and I, she, I teased my, my friends teased me and I teased them back, but it's almost like Fresh Prince. Right. <laughs> it was like that, dude. It was like, oh my God, you know, swimming pools and right. movie stars. And this is the craziest thing yeah, ever. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an alternate <clears throat> universe in a sense. But people were very cool. We had the most amazing neighbors and very cool community in Montclair. It was just an amazing time of life. And at that time, so you moved there around four or five-ish. Yes, yes. Um, were, you, it, were your parents, even though they had split, were yes. your parents musical? No, not a bit. So my, when, dad, my dad kind of yeah. was, to rewind a little bit, so, so four or five, we moved from, from Arizona, basically, and then moved to Sacramento. I stayed with my mom for a while. Oh, right, because yes. you went there first. Got it. So four or five till about maybe... 12, 13, that's when I went to the Bay Area. And, and just a very, very interesting thing. Next door to us was a huge family. And it was a mixed family. The father was black and the, the, the white, the mom was German. So they had these mixed kids, the Smiths. Which I think is an amazing... Incredible. ...experience for all children, right? Exactly. You know, I think yes. when you're being raised... And, and we talk about stuff like this all the time, just amongst friends and yeah, families, that yeah. you don't... You're not born with an understanding of how the world works. You're not born with an understanding of racism. You're not born with an understanding of culture, diversity. You only know what you're taught. Yes. And when you are privileged enough, as many of us have been and many have not, yes. when you're privileged enough to see all walks of life integrated and you don't know any different, mm. you get the blessing of being raised of going, this is just how people are. That's right. You, you can be any skin color, any size, any shape, so any true. religious belief. Yes. And you can be married to any shape, size, religious belief, skin color, blah, blah, blah. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't seem bizarre that that would be the case. Exactly. And, and people have the same things. They have problems. They have yeah. goals. They have everything they want to achieve. And it doesn't really matter skin color. It really doesn't. Yeah. And you have great ones. Human ones problems are, are human problems. Exactly. Human successes are human successes. That's like I joke yeah. with Marcus and all my, I, my everybody. I just joke. I say, you know, people, but when I meet people, I honestly don't see black or white. Either you're cool or you're not. Right, right. <laughs> but I, th I think that's attributed to having that experience. I think it really is. Because well. I think if yes. you don't have that experience, yeah. you're not viewing it from that place. Yeah. You're only viewing what you know of like, my community does this. Exactly. exactly. That community does yeah. that. Yeah. And then now there's already 
not a friction, but a lack of understanding. Very true. Very true. So yes. that's really cool. Yeah. So the Smiths, the Smiths yeah. next door, they live right next door to us. Another a family on the other side um, were the McDaniels. So these was these were just very different families right on either side of us. I and mean, we had this one little block where, you know, 20 of my best friends, we'd ride our bikes all day so long. So did you have like street gate? Like you had a group oh, of Oh, yeah, we neighbors. were the Wolverines. We yeah. were just like, we were like a little bike dudes, you know, just so cool. I you love know? hearing that because I think that's going away. I mean, actually, in the time of COVID, I think it's coming back. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. You know, but I mean, I, there's been a period, when I was a kid, there were still street neighborhood kids. There was yeah. still that you could go outside, ride your bike. Sure. Cause all kinds of havoc. Yes. And everybody's like, just be home and keep each other safe. Exactly. Like that exactly. still existed in my little neighborhood. I agree. Yes. But as I got older, that went away. Mm. Like it wasn't allowed. Yeah. For whatever reason. I don't know if it's because children were being abducted or I think violence that's what it is. or, yeah. you know, but, the, but I think kids have fundamentally missed out on that. I agree. I agree. Even to see <clears throat> kids around my little neighborhood, you don't see them in little two and three packs, you know, riding their biker skateboards. You don't see that. And I live in like a little closed, cool community. Yeah. But it's it's a different kind of mentality that people have in raising their kids. Yeah, and I think and neighborhoods are less neighborly. Yes, exactly. Very, Everybody's very, very isolated, yeah, right? Like we yeah. all go to, we pull into our driveway, we go in our home. That's right. Maybe if you're checking your mail, you wave to Kinda somebody. Sorted. Yeah, that's but, right. But the days of like, oh, someone moved in, let's take a casserole or let's go invite them over for dinner just doesn't. Exactly. Happen. It I really doesn't. Think. It's very rare. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. I, I don't go like, oh, I should go hang out with my neighbors. Yeah, yeah. When it happens, it's very rare, but I agree. It's not yeah. as it was back then at all. Yeah. For sure. So, real quick. Continue, Smiths, please, please. Smiths. Yeah, we'll do this a lot. Yeah, I, I, love, I love this. <laughs> so, the Smith next door, and the father's name was Armand Smith, and he was a, a black man that was in the, I believe, the Navy or the Army, but he was a jazz drummer. Ah. So he would he would do all these great things with the with the flock, and we'd go out and you know go on a little field trip with the family, and he always would kind of be practicing rudiments and just be talking. But that back then, I think I played trumpet and I couldn't stand it, and so I tried to play <laughs> guitar and I hurt my fingers. And I'm You're like, all, "This trumpet for is, the birds. This is crazy. <laughs> this is a lot of effort to get a sound out of here. What's going on? I gotta catch Why girls do they want me to work so hard? Exactly. I'm not keeping them on this. What girls are gonna anyway? I was like, yeah, what's yeah. going?" <laughs> Girls on? are not finding this face sexy. My not, big cheeks full of air. Not all the time, for sure. <laughs> so Mr. Smith was just the coolest guy. And I, I didn't even think about, you know, music and stuff. Once in a while, I'd go over and I'd, you know, hit the drums and just go, ah, oh, cool, whatever. But me and all of his, his sons were all, like, really great friends. So one day I come home from school. My mom goes, I got to tell you something. I go, hmm. She goes, the Smiths have moved. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, they, like, me and your dad, they, they got a divorce and they decided to go separate ways. Mm. So I'm not really sure where they're going to end up or where they're going to be, but I have Miss Smith's number. We'll try to stay in contact. But they left something for you in the garage. And I thought, oh, I got a pool because they had a pool table. I thought, yeah. I got my own pool stick. Thank you. Diet Cokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> milk. Thanks for the milk, pal. It's okay. It's a podcast. We can be honest. Okay, the beer's bye. just arrived. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, Ran over, opened the door, and Mr. Smith left me his drums. That's amazing. And that's how I began to play. Do you think, just, I'm curious from an adult perspective, do you just, do you think he thought, oh, well, you weren't known as Gigi then, were you? No, 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 no. no. So We'll get back to all that. Yeah, yeah. So, but for, for just for the sake of today, so do you think he thought, oh, little Gigi had talent at this, he's interested? Or do you just think he was like, oh, I'll give it to the kid next door? I think that he probably listened and heard me talk about it and talk about music that I liked. That was very drum, you know, Jackson 5, you know, very totally. groovy oriented. He probably thought, 
and maybe sat, saw me when I sat down and thought, maybe there's something there. But the fact that he went here. So your life took on a shape and a trajectory based on just a kind gesture. From a man that I'd love to talk to and sit down and say thank you. Yeah. And, and, and we were cool. And can you imagine how he would feel now knowing the, sh- the, the shape funny? of your life? That's what I always think about. I yeah. think about all the time, you know? One gesture changed your whole yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, then I thought, this is something that I really want to try to get really good at. So my mom said, okay, let's go have a couple lessons and see how it goes. And I had the, not to cuss on a path. Oh, you can. I had the <laughs> hard-ass teachers in all of Sacramento. Yeah. They were just like, okay, here's your lesson for a half an hour. I come in and play. Stop. Did you practice? Hello. See you later. What? Wow. So I have to sit out there in the front and wait for my mom while the other kids would come in and be like, no lesson. So they were like, no tolerance. They're no like, joke. you either come in prepared. Prepared. So that's my, or don't waste my time. That's my whole thing is to fully be prepared in yeah. life, in music. In, that's an incredible thing to instill, though, I think. And, and it wasn't done in like in meanness. Like or in not a cruel spite. way. It was no. just like, don't waste time. <clears throat> don't waste my time and don't waste yours. Yeah. You know, so so I really realize I respect that. I respect that and I love that. And that's what I try to inspire and instill in my students that I have. So how old were you in this general time? This was frame? probably about 12, 13, right? Okay, so we're time. still not in like high school years yet. No, not yet. And we're not even in the Bay Area yet. Yeah. Right. Oh, so right. Then, right. So we're still in Sacramento, still figuring the stuff all out, playing the like, you know, records that I thought were really cool records to play to. Then I then I kind of discovered different kind of jazz things. I thought this is very interesting then. Then my dad said, listen. Moving to a place called Montclair, California. Come check it out. Tell me if you like it. Okay, yeah. so I go there. I'm like, whoa. And was that distance, what is that, like two hours? From two and, about two and a half hours, yeah. So yeah. it's not yeah. epically far. But far enough. But far enough that it's, but, yeah. But worlds away. Yeah. You know what I mean? It really totally, was. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved to this beautiful house, and um, there was a downstairs area. And he had basically converted it into like a little studio, saying that if you're going to do this, let's be serious. Oh, let's, I love him for that. Exactly. Let's get great teachers. Let's figure out, let's let's get a little schedule for you to practice, and this is going to be your space. And so for years, that was my little practice studio. I love that. Put the mirror up, and I was able to kind of play the stuff, and he'd invite his friends over and have little balls of wine and go, he's going to play some chicory tonight. You know? yeah. <laughs> Whatever the case might be, you know? Yeah. And just, like, really was so... So he's so very sp- encouraging. Yeah. He came from a very studious... Everything was all about scholastics. So for him to kind of embrace this was really interesting. But he But saw, he said approach it from a scholastic way. Very like much if so. you're gonna do this yes. and be creative and play yes. an instrument, do it well. Exactly. And, and learn came, it. And then came the famous the famous phrase that all parents say, and I do as, as well, being a parent now. You gotta always have something to fall back on. Oh yeah, that's the that's the infamous. <laughs> and it's it's true. And now, you know, speaking as a dad, saying my dad's words, it's just a trip to even feel that. But it's true. You have to always, even if it's something just as a hobby to just to distract from from your your studious, your studying, your craft, your art, you have to have something that you enjoy doing to fall back on as well. Mm-hmm. So that's became a that that's became, a really good point. It is. It really it's is. a really good point because so often people think, you know, if this is the passion and I just dive in, I won't need anything else. You know what I mean? And yes. even for your passion and your obsession and the thing that you love most, you still need a mental break. I think, in a sense, to come back and be fresh. Yes, yes, 100%. So, you know what I mean? Yes. So even though you're like, drums are my life, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I don't know if you knew that at that point yet, but yeah. just in in practicing, it's your dad's like, hey, listen, go out and jog or go out and do something exactly. else. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah, so that became um, just 
like my little mantra in my head all the time, just in, even in playing in different things that we talk about later, um, huge shows, small shows, recording, it just became like, make sure that there's always another passion and another another path. Yeah, keep not, yourself my, at least mildly well-rounded. And, and not like, just in case this doesn't work out, just no. as to keep oneself A reprieve, yeah. yeah. To take a break. So... <clears throat> You got to have that space for a few years. How, how, where were you in, were you in Sacramento in high school or were you um, within was, Berkeley? No, I was or in the Berkeley. Bay Area. I was in the Bay Area, yes. I went to a- Which is also a music-driven, creative- We're going to get back to that yeah. like now. So yeah. In the Bay Area, there are some, it is incredible the amount of crazy talented people that live there and play there. Oh, yeah. That you can just go to some little spot around the corner and just see the most amazing guys. I mean, just- just in Oakland, it was incredible. Um, I, had a, I have a really good friend of mine named William Kennedy. He's a great, great killer drummer. Marcus knows him, of course. Yeah. Um, plays played a band called the Yellow Jackets. Okay. Crazy, great, great, great drummer. His brother, his name is William Kennedy. His brother's name is Herschel Kennedy, who played keyboards in Grand Central Station. Oh, my gosh. They're like who, Von Trapps. <laughs> like every, every person plays an instrument, and they're incredible. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so then they live like on another different side of, of a mountain than we live. So me and William were kind of like not rivals, but we just enjoyed each other's playing. He'd say, come on over, come watch my, my brother rehearse. And I would go as a kid and watch this bass player named Larry Graham play bass and the guitar player at Herschel. And I sat there going, this is some unusual stuff here. I mean, this is like the innovator guy that kind of was one of the first guys to play with his thumb and, and mm-hmm. to play funky stuff where mm-hmm. you go, oh my God. And so sitting there and, and digesting and seeing this in my eyes, I thought, this is not only magical, this is what I, I'm going to do. So that was kind of your, it like, was, it just kept on creeping in. Yeah, stuff was creeping in, yeah. exactly. Where I thought maybe, no, this is going to, this is what's going to be happening. Yeah. Phenomenal. So that was for years, and I just played in different bands. And um, it, see, that was, it was quite a while. I'm trying to remember the years. I'm bad at years. But anyway, that was it's quite okay. a while. And I played and played and played. Then I realized kind of getting out of high school and getting into college Probably later in high school, my dad died in a car accident. Oh, which was tragic. So yeah, so I was a very. Young, I did not see that coming. Not at all. Sorry, <laughs> Neither did not, you. No, I did not. <laughs> yeah. really, and just one day there, the next day not there. Oh. And it was the. And I have a sister. I had a sister. Yeah, but that what a pivotal age. I mean, at a be, very young pivotal yeah. age. Whereas this was my best friend to do all the things that I wanted to do. And here I'm, 18, 19 years old. Life changed. Oh, in dramatically. a day, in a yeah. minute. And so it was just like, wow, what. Um, what is what now? Well, especially I think <clears throat> with, with young people, it's our innate situation to rely on our parents and our Very guidance so. because yes. that's the way life. I mean, that's yeah. literally the shape of our human dynamic. Yes. yes. So to lose a a figure in your life mm. at such a crucial time. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's say let's just go, say you're 18. Yeah. Or even 19. You're you're technically an adult. Yeah. You could sign up and give your life to war and of the course, army and of government. Course, of course. You could go off to college. Sure. You could just start a career. I yeah. mean, you're at this place where you have to kind of decide a little bit where your next step is going to be. Yeah, yeah. But you're not quite ready to let go of the guidance, or at least I'm in my personal experience. It's like you want to be cut free and you want to be a grown-up. But we still are like, hey, mom and dad, or what do you think? Or I was exactly. thinking I might do. I mean, right. we're still feel, putting out feelers for the very much so. And, and advice. And, and you probably are a bit more, a bit more matured at that point than I was because I was still very much 
mama, daddy, boy. Yeah, I really was because it was like that was my, that was my anchor, my focus, my my best friend. You know, yeah. I saw some guys smoking some funny, what do you, you know, just in a very candid, really cool way. We had a very interesting, frank, honest relationship that was yeah. there one Thursday and then Friday was not. And it was just, it was just. How did you handle that? I I, I remember I was really really. I think I was pretty much in shock and didn't really know how to process it for probably a couple of years. Yeah. Then it became like, okay, I started realizing just how special my life with him was and just how, what he did and what my mom did. That says a lot to your character to, it, to choose to, because it is a choice to appreciate yeah. the time. It really felt like Versus that. resent the loss. Yeah. Because I'm, both yeah. could lead you down very different Sure. I mean, pathways. I, I, I did feel like, like, you know, it was really hard to understand why Someone was there and then gone, but I didn't. It didn't feel like I was upset, angry. It was just this empty yeah, loss. Like, boy. like, like, what do you do? Like, now what do I do? So there was a couple of years where I, I had an older sister as well, mm-hmm. um, and so we lived in this wonderful place by ourselves for a couple of years. Oh wow! And it was, and she was older, and so yeah. then she kind of you know went down a different path, and and it became like this really tremendous struggle, and it was really different. I was like a young kid going. The hell's going on here? What, right. you know, I couldn't figure out. The stability why. was gone. It was gone. There yeah. was there was no there was no accountability. There yeah. was no hey, and anchor, like you said, it was not there. You know, dinner dinner. What was dinner? Dinner was whenever you know. It wasn't yeah. whereas we had like you know a knife or fork at six o'clock. It was and that was all gone. So it really was a trip to figure that and, and to figure out how to navigate through that and what to do quickly. Yeah, and it, and it felt like a long time, but it was a couple of years, and we decided we have to sell the house. We have to figure out what to do. That was tremendously hard. And I thought, well, that's I'm a living. lot of adult shit. A lot of, I mean, <laughs> oh my God. That's growing up like, and, you know. and thinking that you're 21 where I'm an adult, I, 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 I wasn't an adult. You know, yeah. I have, I have a, my wife is younger than me. And I always say, that's about the right time as far as maturity. Right. It took my ass a little longer, my friend. And you're I'm almost evening out the playing field. I'm getting close. <laughs> I'm still an immature ass. But anyway, I'm getting close. Yeah. Um, but it took a long time. So from that, um, it had to be, a year or so, a couple of years after we, uh, sorry, he passed. I mean, maybe about a year later, I was still playing in all these really great fusion bands. And this is kind of how things worked in like the most incredible, mysterious, magical manner. So I'm playing in these amazing uh, fusion bands. So we're opening up for all these great jazz artists. So one day I'm playing at this place called the Keystone Berkeley, a very famous place in Berkeley that all these people played. We're doing a little sound check, thinking our shit is just killing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we are the shit. What's wrong with you guys? Don't you Famous get last word. <laughs> exactly. So this amazingly beautiful woman walks up. She goes, hi. I go, hey. She goes, um. Yeah, you go, hey. 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 Man, how you doing? How you fucking doing? Um, she goes, you have to meet my husband. And you're all, oh. I'm like, all right. <laughs> no, I'm like, okay, I'm, exactly. Oh, no. uh, all right. I'll meet the guy. Yeah, okay. I'll bring the guy. Bring this guy over, whatever. Um, so she goes, uh, he plays drums as well. I go, oh, cool, right? She goes, well, he's going to. You're opening up for his band. Oh my God. And I go, all right, cool, okay. okay. So she's standing there and she goes, just kind of hang out. And if you want to watch your soundtrack, whatever. If not, he'll try to come to your show. Couldn't say for the soundtrack. I had to go do whatever I was going to go do. So we do our little show, right? And then, and and I noticed this man with her standing with a really big smile, this really positive looking. I go, God, he looks familiar, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out who he was. I have put my foot in my mouth so many times. (laughs) For that exact scenario, I'm like, oh, hey, are you the parking valet? No, I'm a celebrity. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Oh. Okay. Uh, well, tells you what I know. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Exactly. 
<laughs> so he's standing there, and so he sees us, and he and he and we get done, you know. Everybody, he runs to me, goes, "Hi," and he grabs my hand like in a, in a very, you know, very strong way. I'm Narda. I'm like, oh, Mahavishnu, Narda Michael Walden, one of the baddest dudes in the land. He goes, "Look, I saw you. Stay for my show. We need to talk afterwards." I'm like, "All right." So in this band of Narda's band, they were called the Warriors. Narda, Randy Jackson, yeah. Walter Afanasi, yeah. uh, Joaquin Liviano, this yeah. crazy guitar player, <laughs> Steve Kittler, this violinist that was just crazy. And I forget the percussionist, but it was just like, they came and played, and I was like, oh, this right. was like, oh, you're incredible. This is like, <laughs> not like, okay, this is like yeah. crazy. And just, and you know, he played in clogs. Like, who, who, who plays in clogs? I, Double bass, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta stab your foot first of all. Second of all, I gotta steal your damn clubs. <laughs> those, are, those are magic clubs. Those are magic yeah. clubs. Fly and play. Yeah. So he plays, and I'm like, oh shit. So his wife goes, come in the back. He wants to talk to you. Looks at me in the eye and goes, I love the way you play. And I'm like, oh. where's, where's the, where's, where's the, the butt? Where's the, this? Yeah. You got yeah. punked, right? <laughs> now you're going to jail. Yeah. Um, um, I love the way you play. You have a lot to learn, and I want you to be at my studio tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And I go, wow. What? And he goes, 10 o'clock. It's called the Automat. It's in San Francisco. And she'll write the address off. I go, look, I, I have a job. I'm a medical courier. You know? And he goes, good. 10 o'clock. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. Well, but this gets back to what we just started with, right? At the be- very beginning, it's cyclical. It's, it's come, it, prepared, come prepared. And also be aware of an opportunity yeah. as an opportunity, yeah. which I, I look at music lessons the same way, honestly, yes. fundamentally. Yes. You're being given by your parents or yeah. whomever an opportunity to find out what you're made of and learn. Precisely. And it those patterns come back around in life time and time again. Yes. And by being prepared for your gig, yeah. someone you are blown away by right. is right. acknowledging your raw talent. Yeah, exactly. And saying, show up. And here's what we're gonna do. And here's and, what we're and, gonna do. And being cool enough to see that, and not 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 egotistically, but he saw something, where you know that's amazing that he even saw something because you know I was trying to do my thing the best I could, but it wasn't where it needed to be. But he saw something, but yeah. that speaks so much to his character for this gracious, generous person to go. I got something that you need to learn, and I'm gonna show you for no other reason other than. Your own investment. Like, exactly. I'm paying it forward to your own, there you, go. you know, evolution. There you go. Yeah. Which is super cool. Isn't that amazing? Now, I have to ask in this time, because you had mentioned it before, did you go to college? I went to college, yes. Yeah, so I did. So where did you go to college? I went to College of Alameda. Okay. <laughs> from, from, like, a junior college. Yeah. Then I went to Cal Berkeley for two years. Oh, yeah. And then I was, like, uh, probably, yeah. as a poli-sci major. That was a whole other thing. I thought, at one point, because of my father being an attorney later on in his life, I thought that maybe I needed to do something law enforcement-wise. Right. So I really got way into that. Um, I actually got accepted into a, a, into a, a, an agency there. But I, but I realized, talking to different people at police agencies, it wasn't the conducive place for a musician to be in bars or right. concerts. So I thought, this is something that I was fascinated. I still am, yeah. that I'm very interested in. I think it's a very incredibly noble career to have. And yeah. I think that it's, that, that's a whole other discussion. But at that time, it wasn't the time for me to do that. Right. Well, and that's why I asked. Because so often in a creative journey in general, it is the off, opposed to the the Joe average, like you grow up, you go to college, you work for this company for 30 years, you do the thing. 
creatives, we take these alternative paths. Right. But it doesn't mean that one, there is an interest or thought process or, and it, like your dad said, it's like have something. Sure. You know, so that's why I asked because yeah, yeah. not every direction in the arts is, well, not every, most aren't an A to B journey. Yes, exactly. That's very true. You know what yeah, I mean? And so true. when you get into in a higher education situation, sometimes you're like, I, you know, my heart and my talent and my efforts are going toward the drums and this institution at this time isn't the place for that's me right, to become right. who I need to be. And that's kind of what it was. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And even to re rewind a bit, I did go to an amazing high school. That was, um, it was St. Mary's High School, mm -hmm. a Catholic high school, but we had a killer music program. And my dad on purpose oh, said, you know, you have to go to this high school. I don't want you. Yeah. First of all, it's all boys. Are you <laughs> serious? Like, this is not, not going to happen. Plan. And he's like, you, this <laughs> have is. Have you met me? Exactly. It's like, this is what's, well, okay, we're going to do it. Luckily, there was like all girls schools on both sides. So right. that was cool. Yeah. And, I, and people were, I couldn't have had a, anyway, they were wild in my high school, yeah. but an incredible <laughs> music program. So. Then fast forwarding to playing and then meeting Narda. And for the next 10, 12 years, I made records with Narda. That's incredible. Just uh, just one day, you know, practicing in like a little studio. And 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 we we were at the, we were at the Automat in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. then later on, he realized that because we were working so much that he bought his own studio in Marin County. So I moved to Marin. And in Marin, like Oakland, we're a whole nother level of musicians. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, I got to hang with Steve Smith, with... with Perry with all these great guys that were Lars. Lars, I would see Lars driving his little sports car. And yeah, <laughs> we'd laugh and go running around this little lake. And very cool. Yeah, but it was like this whole great education of seeing if you apply where you can possibly be. Right. And we're making records in the daytime, and I'm playing in top forty bands at night. And I just thought this is unbelievable. And my little so we moved to Marin, and I lived in Marin for quite a while. Had a very cool place there. So Nardis said we're going to make records, but right now. One of your gigs is you have to go and pick up artists that are coming in from the airport and bring them to the studio. I love it. So I'm like, wow. And at nighttime, you can record with your bands. I want you to play different tracks. We're gonna, you, but yeah. this is gonna be your gig. So yeah. he was in yeah. essence grooming you to be a producer. To be a producer. <laughs> well, and yeah. I was gonna say he's giving you the opportunity to do session work too. Oh, of course, of course. Like you of know, course. so where you're. Which for people who don't know, I believe in session work, you are honing your skills. Oh. 100%. To the nth degree. Very much so. Because live, we can flub, yeah. you know, and yeah. we can cover it. And sure. if it's like, ooh, I hit that, and then you can do a da da fill, yeah. bring it back in. Yeah. You can slow the pace, up the pace. If it pushes and pulls, not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. In the studio, it was. It's, you really have to, like, lock in. You're under the microscope. Under the microscope. And so we, exactly. we were, precisely what you said, I couldn't have said it better. Also, back when we were doing these records, a lot of them were programmed. So a lot of stuff we programmed and then we played stuff live on top of them or percussion or drums. Ah. So not only was it honing my writing skills and understanding how that, but programming and playing with a click, right. which I'll come back to later, which, right. which is It's a most, skill. It's that is a thing. skill. It, because, <laughs> no, it is. It is. I, not I even joking. That. Because there are so many times, even with singers that I'll say, you need to sing because myself, I learned that through singing sessions and in studios. Of course you did. The push and pull. Yeah. I tend to always lean way back into the side. See, oh, that's, see, that's yeah. why I mean, so cool. Hello, <laughs> on the back side. Yeah. Oh, sorry, but, but I, it's true. I rely on a drummer yeah. to keep me 
from falling of so course. far behind. And then, Fine line. Right. Fine line. There's cool pocket. Yeah. There's cool lean back pocket. And then there's like, girl, yeah. you're not in it. Like, you're, not, <laughs> you're, you're not there. <laughs> you're, behind, you're like on the next beat. Exactly. Um, yeah. But you learn that in the studio. Oh, God. Because yes, you, you got a click in your ear. Yes, you do. And you've got a producer saying like, that's not the cadence of the rhythm. Of course. And swinging a beat. Right. And, you know, BPMs and what all that, all of that really means. means. Yeah. And, and not only what it means, but having guys that me being a kid and watching and seeing the masters kill it where it becomes like this effortless thing that, that that's what the music, the, the language that they speak. Right. And for someone that doesn't understand it, it seems simple and easy, but it's a art. It's to, an to art. To watch someone that playing keyboard bass and can be in the groove and the click disappears. And that they're means, still right. That means they're up in it. Yeah. If, you, if the click yeah, is yeah. gone, yeah. that means you're like way in it where you are on it and it and you are you're you're in the spot where the song needs to be. One thing Nord always says was when you're doing vocals, most important thing is you never you you have to figure out your tempo, your key, the cadence of the song, and you never want to rush that vocal. No, because that's not cool. Never. <laughs> it's if you never sound like, cool if, to be rushing. If your vo- if your vocals and your words are rushed, it becomes like you, you don't get the depth of the song. Well, and I, I joke because it has an entendre, a double entendre, but I'm like, nothing good happens prematurely. True. Like, very true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Thank you very much. But all, I yes. mean, in, in life, like if yeah. you're ahead of where you're supposed to be, it loses all the feeling. Very much so. If you're, much so. If you're antis- over-anticipating, you're yeah. not in the moment. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was once again. That's a concrete like, education right Which comes right back there. to my drummer instructing guys when I was a kid of like, you know, not being prepared. And Narda, Best friend. I mean, like mentor, best buddy. I don't know what that was. Somebody got a text, yeah, but sorry if you heard that at home. It's fine. <laughs> um, but he was hard on me. Let's, you know, that felt really good. Let's do it a couple more times. Yeah. Or you know what? We've been here an hour. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. Go clear your head. Yeah. Clear your ears. Yeah. We're going to start fresh because you're at a point where you don't even hear it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, once again, the most amazing instructional aspect of my life for so, years. So, yeah. So, at that time, yeah. you're living in Marin. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> your personal life. Mm, was personal that, life. Yeah. Uh, I had a really cool girlfriend. Um, wasn't married, of course. Uh, yeah, I had, I had a really cool girlfriend, but I kind of was single for a long time, too. Yeah. Like, after dad passed, I think that was really, Well, that's why I asked course, about yeah. personal life. It was We're, very, very difficult. Was that bleeding into, like, I'm going to dive into work. I'm going to be great at this. And right now, personal relationships, I'm healing... At this point, which is interesting, God, you're, so, you're, you're good. Oh, um, hey, thanks. Which is interesting. <laughs> I just like to know these things. Yeah. I like details about this stuff. At this point, I really got into relishing my alone time. Mm, that's important, though. Yeah, not being lonely, but being alone and figuring out stuff to do. That and being I, okay with sitting in your own yeah, skin. Yeah, and doing stuff that I knew was important that I needed to do. Yeah. Not for someone else, not but for me. Yeah. And that was really, you know, my mom was still alive, and so we... We definitely had a great relationship at that point, but I, I lived there by myself, you know, on purpose. Yeah. And I, I, I was so funny. Even in college, I think throughout my whole living on my own, I think I had one roommate. Never had roommates. I was yeah. like, you know what? It's, yeah. I'd rather just let me figure. If I if I put my my cheese sandwich on the wall, I want that shit to be there when yeah. I come home. <laughs> I don't want you to be like, what? I don't need somebody <laughs> telling me, like, that's not clean. No, I know. That's where I put it. That's where it's supposed to be, yeah. you know? I so put that it was, there. I want it to stay there. I want to eat it later. Don't judge me. Very important. Very important. <laughs> yeah. So that was just an amazing time of life. Um, even a recording of that, I had a killer band 
like a top 40 band. Yeah. <clears throat> and we used to have a, to rehearse in the back of the studio. So we have this really cool rehearsal spot. So we'd practice and practice and, you know, this, oh my God, it was the most amazing band with all my really great friends. Which is super fun. Oh, super fun. So we practiced and practiced and sometimes in order to bring guys over and say, you know, come check it all out. So just a funny story, just it's funny and it just was amazing. So we're playing, playing, playing this really funny, cool ass groove, this really great singer named Skylar Jet. Oh. Badass singer. That's an amazing name. Yeah, it's a bad boy. So we're <laughs> practicing, practicing another keyboard player named Eric Daniels, another guy named Mike Monty. And Eric Daniels is legendary. He's at the MD on The Voice right now. Oh. Bad boy. Oh. Bad dude. I, pro- I you probably, probably met, met him. Yeah. yeah I feel like we've worked together. He's the coolest dude ever. So we're playing all this stuff. And Mike Monty, rich kid from Marin, had a stack of keyboards. And Eric had like two keyboards. <laughs> and he'd wear his ass out. Like every yeah. day. <laughs> and Mike would be changing patches. And Eric would be like, knocking shit over. It'd be like, that's amazing. So we're playing all this stuff. And we look up. And I'm like, oh, shit. It looks like Eddie Murphy. And I'm like, no, it's can't be. He's like, stop, stop. Excuse Nardo me. Up. Are you Eddie Murphy? No, no, what's up? It's Eddie Murphy. I'm like, hi. What the is going on? He's doing a record. No. Nah. You know that song that you guys were just doing? Yeah. Kind of digs that. What's the deal? So we're laughing, going, I don't know, man. It's just like a groove we're just messing around with. Okay, come to the office, sign a little paper. So, anyway, this groove became a song on Eddie Murphy's record. Shut called up. Put Your Mouth on Me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was called. So I was, I was telling my mom, I was like, we have this killer song, but you can't hear it. No, <laughs> so, yeah, you're like, this is not appropriate for your ears. Oh my mom. God. But he sat there and just for like an hour and just told us stories. And we were just crying, laughing. And he walks out and we just looked at each other like, how did that, like, what is how, our life right what now? What is this? What's yeah. going on right now? And, and it was just phenomenal. And that was, and once again, Narda just being so cool. Come over. These are my boys. Hear them play. I don't know. There may be something there or whatever. Put your mouth on Is that me. crazy? It's not funny. <laughs> can just, I find that song? Yeah, of course you can. Of course. Yeah. Oh, Eddie's, Eddie's, that's being bought right the now. minute we're done. Eddie, you owe me. You owe me. <laughs> just the funniest. And Narda was just the coolest dude. Just in letting... I love like this. Isn't that amazing? Just letting stuff like that happen. So when would you say, okay, well, first of all, I guess, yeah. when when did your time with Narda hit a natural transition? Because ah. obviously you didn't play for him forever. Yeah. It, it felt like it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. did. Um, he had a killer band and he, Narda had a lot of hits when he was younger as a singer as well. Yeah. Great drummer, but a singer. So we had this killer, crazy big band and we toured Japan. Wow. To it all of, like I think we were there for four months. So even at this point in your life, music's taking you other places. Every, other in the place I've never thought yeah. I'd go. So I'd play drums and he would sing, and then he'd play drums and I'd play percussion. Oh wow! So then we'd have sometimes we'd have two. Sets. I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering about that. I'm like, okay, yeah. he's a drummer. You're a drummer. Yeah, that and was so gonna what, be my what next a cool question. Guy, he could wear. If me and Stevie both had four drum sets, he'd wear our shit out with clogs on. Right. right? But still, he would say. <laughs> still, he said, "Hey man, come play because I saw you play." Come do your thing. Right. Come, come. Think. And just for people listening, if you hear us refer to Stevie or Marcus, it's because yeah. they're, they're sitting here with us at the table having beers. Exactly. So, um, yes. Just so they know. There are handlers. Know, yeah. they're, they're handling our <laughs> they're shit. Keeping us, yeah. They're keeping us happy. Exactly. So we can chat. Yes. Um, wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So years and years of that. And and um, uh, I'm, I guess right around 90. Try to think of exactly bad with years. Right around 90. Beautiful girl came in. Yeah. And we're thinking... Cool, cool, cool. I'm playing in like a little top 40 band. This buddy of mine goes, hey, man. This girl likes the way you play. Cool. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Whatever. Hi. No, I'm not going to play Brick House. Okay, no. I'm not. <laughs> That's part of my contract. I don't do that shit at all. That and we are family. No. Okay, no, no requests. 
<laughs> two songs only. That's it. That's it. I think that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Just two. But I'm, yeah, because okay. I, I feel like I feel like in, in a top forty band there should be more than that. <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> I know. like don't you know the intro? I don't know the intro. No, I don't. Yeah, no. like no, I don't. You know. So anyway, she's like, cool, cool, cool. Next day, coming to the studio, talking, talking, talking. Girl walks in, I go, oh. She goes, you're back. You're back. Hi. Hi. We're doing a song. Okay. Doing the whole record. Cool. And I think this was, there were like five tunes we were doing. I think one had a vocal on it. Yeah. Pop it on. The whole intro, Vision of Love. I'm like, who the? Uh, Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, really? And that record, I mean... Crazy you can't touch that record. Crazy record. No one I mean, can touch that record. It's ridiculous, ridiculous. And just first takes, crazy. So Walter, off on Austin, who's a great singwriter, songwriter, um, in the Bay Area, knew all of us to cut it together and said, well, um, she saw you play. She goes, let's put a band together for a couple shows. So I remember we're at SIR. Was she yet signed or was this just She also? was signed. Oh, she, she was. was. Just, she okay. just got signed to, to I guess, not, it wasn't even... She was signed to CBS, not by Tommy. She was signed by a guy named Donnie Einer. Oh, okay. Who was a really cool guy, yeah. but she had just gotten signed. So we're doing um, this rehearsals at, at SIR, and, and I'm like, you know, what, what show do you do? She goes, well, I have a couple shows. I go, well, look, I play in a, you know, kind of a successful top 40 band. Yeah. We've got a couple of bar mitzvahs and some shit on the weekend. <laughs> I'm kind of busy. I swear to God, I said that. I swear to God. Please. I, You're I, saying- I swear to God. And she will tell you. She will tell you. And I was like cocky. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, please pause while I belly laugh for another 30 seconds. Excuse me, Mariah. I have I have some bar mitzvahs to play. I'm a little busy. So I, you know, I realize you probably have some showcases coming up or something with your insane five yeah. and a seven octave range. Nine but o- I really yeah. need to, you know, let some 13-year-old boy feel important. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> New York, New York, Grass Valley. I'm kind of busy. You feel me? Talking Pleasanton. We're talking, okay, we're talking buddy. She's like, no, dumbass. We're doing, you know, okay, okay, cool. And she okay, told the right. story a couple times. And yeah. Just, and we bust, yeah. So anyway, we, we rehearsed. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, and that's kind of when I realized that all that, getting my ass kicked with all these clicks, and computers and stuff, this is why. You're now prepared. Prepared. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by the Natural History Institute, Located at 126 North Marina Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona, the Natural History Institute is a nonprofit which seeks to cultivate love and understanding of the natural world. They have programs for naturalists of all stripes, newcomer, novice, and veteran. All are welcome who are looking to deepen their relationship with the natural world. Please check out their website at naturalhistoryinstitute.org or head to their Natural History YouTube channel. Headphones. First, I think, I don't know if we early bands with in-ears. Yeah. So having clicks and everything, you know. Right. right? Because so, that's, a, that's a really interesting point to bring up. I mean, technology and the music business and industry go hand in hand. Very much so. Very much so. And the evolution of the way technology definitely changed the yeah. way records playing, rehearse, everything. Live. Has, everything changed. Everything. everything changed. And we were very, very, everyone was very competent on, on their instruments, so we all played. But th- let's say there was this beautifully recorded, you know, a side stick with some reverb that just sounded beautiful. Okay? So if I'm playing a beat and that happens on the fourth beat, two, three. Right. Love it. But if I'm on top or behind and somebody goes, 
all bad. Yeah. That can never happen. Yeah. Never, not even you can't once. be getting side eye. No. No. So we did these great shows, did Arsenio, did all these great shows, and it was really fun. Then we had production rehearsals. And I remember going into rehearsal and us starting, and the song started off. And I'm like, the click is terrible. It's, it's, so I'm trying to relate this to the computer guy. And the yeah. guy going, yeah, but this is what the music calls for, but this is the tempo. <laughs> <laughs> This is, it's and you're like, I don't really give a shit. It's not right. <laughs> not at yeah. all. And so we're playing, and it's like stiff, and everybody's going, oh, God. My. And I remember, vividly remember, calling on my big-ass brick phone. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Mom, I think I got to bring my ass home. Yeah. Because this is just agonizing, and I'm trying to make this all feel good. But yeah. Would, uh, what the heck? Like, this isn't what my brain and ears no. and my... This is and everybody it. else as well. So I'm like, sitting in this really nice hotel thinking, what the... And then I thought, wait a minute. If I can figure out how to make this click sound a different sound, but make it feel... Like, so that it has feel to it, even so though like, it's a click. Yeah, what if yeah. I have... What if I have... This is my little concept that I always in, teach my students. What if I have something in perspective of three? Left, middle, right. Right. And I have something happening over here. I've got something in the middle, and I've got something on the right. Let's say a shaker in the middle. So I got, then I got, all of a sudden I got, oh, shit. There's our there it groove. Is. There it is. So I'm like, the next day, I'm, I'm going to be in later. I'm going to be in around one, but I want to try some stuff. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh. Computer guy's like. Yeah, he's looking at you like, that's not on my. This is not <laughs> happening. It's my gig, pal. You know? <laughs> Like this it's all not on my plan so or on my figured, spreadsheet on exactly my clipboard. Right. It's not on the grid. It's not on the grid, man. So we figured this shit out, and I thought to myself, thank you, Lord, because that made it comfortable. And, yeah. And we grew. And I just thought, nothing genius, just thought, this is how we figure to make all this stuff feel incredible. So that's amazing. Right? Because that that's fundamentally a massive shift. Oh, God. It was, it was night and day. Because it's where it puts your brain when you're playing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean... And, and I think we were doing this and then we were going to, you know, trying to find a really great percussionist. So the next week we had all this ironed out and they're like, so who are we going to get for percussion? And I'm like, well, uh, Sheila's with Prince. Let's get her brother. Let's get Peter Michael, her brother, who's a killer percussionist. Amazing. So he comes and pops his ears on. He's just like, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he always says. Cousin. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Cousin, what you doing? Yeah. Just, oh my God. Well, and just one more thought on that because what's so incredible that I think, you know, maybe the average person who's not a musician doesn't really understand is that, or maybe they do, um, the drums are the heartbeat of a song. Very much so. So if you're going to become the heartbeat of the song, to not have feel it's tough. is hard. It's like, hard. how do you relay emotion of a song right, right. in a rhythmic sense when you're being confused by a stiff. Yes. Confused cut, and confined. Cut. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you do? Yeah. You, you figure out some way to make it so feel that, really I mean, good. I mean, just to relay how brilliant what he's telling you is, it's it's working within, you know, this, di what am I trying to say? It's working within this really confined space yes. to make something brilliant happen in an innovative way. Sure, sure. That no one's going to know you're doing. Exactly. And utilizing like, that's technology. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. But still util use, using and utilizing your natural uh, abilities to play with something. To right. play with something, not to play with something stiff, but to play music in an organic, natural way, but to have precision with this freaking click. Cousin! <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest thing ever. Oh, God.
God. He says it to this day. I just cry. Amazing. So, yeah. So for 15 years, we had this sick band. We'd go out and do these epic, crazy shows. And I'd come home and be like, wow. What is my life? What this is, is my, incredible. This is incredible. Crazy. Isn't that wild? It is wild. And I would imagine in that time period, traveling all over the world. We went, I, not everywhere, but we've been pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> been a lot not of everywhere, but mostly but a lot everywhere. Of we've been yeah. a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, it's so many epic, amazing, just crazy gigs and so many just gigs where you just go, oh my God, you know, just, just people that would come to the shows and yeah. just people that would come and hang out and just all the different little things that we would experience and get into and just unbelievable. And I, I, and back to personal life. Yeah. My wife is Russian. Yeah. I could have told you this. Met her in Russia. Yeah. In Moscow. Um, and I had gone there with Mariah and met a really instrumental friend of mine named Jan. And basically I became really good friends with him and I came back and after the Mariah tour ended, I forget what year, he got married. Yeah. And he married a really amazing woman named Al Sue. Yeah. Who's a phenomenal incredible singer oh my god she's incredible so he married her and he goes i want you to come play at my wedding and i'm like oh, okay so i put together this crazy- <laughs> you're a really nice person because whenever anybody <laughs> asks me to do that i'm like but then i can't enjoy your wedding the only reason- like i think like, i totally go to my selfish place about know, someone else's wedding <laughs> and, yeah and i did that <laughs> as, as well if the wedding is he even goes, about me but i'm like, like but i can't have fun if you haven't playing yeah. your wedding <laughs> he's like don't worry you'll have fun <laughs> <laughs> okay right, okay sure i trust you yeah it was, okay. it was amazing so we put together this crazy band and Went there, all my buddies, basically Mariah guys, different guys. And I put the crazy killer band. We go there, and he goes, we have a couple artists that are going to play a couple tunes with as well. They're just going to be like feature artists. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Walk in rehearsals. Freaking George Benson and Al Jarreau. Oh, my god! And I'm like, you know what? This is just... And so Jan, so cool, just the most gracious. And so I'm in Moscow getting this whole... Mariah, we, we played at the Kremlin, and, Juan, and Jan's wedding was at the Kremlin. Oh, my gosh. The third person that spoke at his wedding was Putin. Oh so, my! So the oh first, my God. the first two guys, I don't know who the hell they were, but they were they had serious juice. He was the third. I'm like, who are these guys? He right? wasn't even first in the lineup. It was like oh my God. unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And my friends are just like, what is? I'm like, I know. Did he ride up um, shirtless on a horse? <laughs> two horses, yeah. Just each, like, two. <laughs> Him and Seagal. <laughs> I just want a t-shirt of that image. Oh, no. God. Wow. Anyway, so, but the reason I was brought up Jan, once again, someone in your life that just, Jan is a genius Russian businessman. So he helped me get like all the visas because tra- taking 10, 15 people there, learning the logistics of travel with all of that. It it's was epic. Uh, it was epic. Just, and I, I didn't never want to do it, but I, I had to. Right. You're but like, was, I'm in this position now. So time to learn. Learn. Be so prepared. Much. It was incredible. And just once again, just musically and just, it was phenomenal. Just, you know, and that was once again from the beautiful blessing of, you know, tra- traveling around with Mariah. Yeah. It's crazy. So let me ask you, hmm. because that was a, a an incredible run as far as most musicians yes, yeah. don't get a situation where they're professionally working in something they love, not only with an artist, but like the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever ask yourself like, where do I go from here? Yeah. I ask myself that all the time. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I do. Yeah. You kind of had this beautiful trajectory straight to the ideal. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate gig. It really was. Yeah. So many different levels. It really was. And playing with the ultimate players. Like, what do I... Yeah, exactly. So I kind well, of... Well, because she... And on top of it, not to, to sidetrack to her, but no. you're playing with a 
legitimate talent. Hmm. And that, and I, I use those words carefully only because it's not to say pop stars of other styles or other things no, you're aren't. Right. But, yes. but she is a massive set of ears. Massive. I mean, she knows what she's hearing. Of course. She's a vocal monster. Exactly. She's a songwriting monster. Yeah. She's a studio rat in yeah. the way that she understands tech, technique. And, 100%. Yes. So you're not playing with some schmo. Exactly. Yeah. And knows the difference. And she knows the difference. Right. As far as like cats and, and not cats. Right. Exactly. So good question. Where does one go from there? That w- that's been the hardest thing because yeah. I, I don't want to, I, I never come off and I never want to ever come off in an egotistical manner at all. Right. I'm very proud of my past, but I still feel like every day that I play, that I practice, that I figure something out, I'm getting better at what I do. Correct. And, and that may be for me to record my, my productions I do. That may be for me to just play and, and write. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that I, I know that this is, there's a lot more. Right. And that's what it feels like. Is it going to be, is it going to be the tours that it was before? I got news for you. Nobody's on those tours anymore. I, I was and say, forget COVID aside. I just yeah. mean that the industry has changed. The world has changed. It the is crazy. The way yeah. shows travel has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, what transitioned out of that period? What was the reasoning that you stopped? Did you stop playing? I did. It? Yeah, I did. Um, it was very simple ec- economically. Okay. Um, we were all the, um, like the journeyman guys that have been there for so long. Mm-hmm. And she changed management. And she said very, not her, but her management said very candidly, check it out. It's time to, it's time to. We can hire a whole band of guys to play for one of your salaries. Yeah. So you can take a pay and cut or we can, you know, we can figure something yeah. out. I said, well, we have to figure something out. And and not, never, nothing. And I, and I had left one time before yeah. and I came back, not economically, just because it was other things I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and, I came back, but this one I was like, well, I have to be brave and figure out this was an amazing, amazing run. I got to see things to do things yeah. that I will never, ever forget. Some things I forget and I'll pick up something and go, oh, shit, that's right. right. We were in Dubai with riding camels. Yeah. You know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> I don't know. Let me ask you about that because you brought up another really good yeah. talking point that I find really interesting. When you are playing with a megastar like yeah. that and you're playing vision of love and mm. you're playing you know hero all, all, hero Jeez. all the hits yeah. Yeah. time and time and time yeah. and time and time yeah. and time and we'll just keep going time yeah. and time again because yes. she never stops having hits right but you net you can never play the new hits without playing all, all the, the old hits. hits very true um on a creative front yeah i could i could see how that would be a necessary break like i love you i love this music yeah. i love playing with you i love yeah. playing with this band yeah. but my artist yeah. soul needs to go do some other yeah. thing how did you fill that part of yourself while you were i mean obviously you're getting paid well you're in the ideal job as far as for what you do you're at the top right right how did you keep yourself fresh we we didn't we toured like we were very lucky we toured maybe Six weeks on, two weeks off, you know, a month on, a month off. So it wasn't like there was this consistent thing. So I, sh- I could always come home and do my creative stuff. But I never, I swear, I never got tired of playing these beautiful arrangements of the most amazing music ever. Oh, I love hearing and when that. And when I had my phones on, I tell my friends, like we had in-ears and they were just, you know, in-ears are amazing. So I'd sit and play and it was like playing to the most perfectly mixed CD in your home and everything was just effortless it was like playing these songs were just incredible and i play and look over and see freaking randy jackson's well i was gonna say and on top of it you're playing with With other incredible who would would play a lick 
you know, in the same spot but a different one because that's another discipline that people don't always understand. <clears throat> if you're playing an arrangement to a beautiful an arrangement to a beautiful composition, it's the sum of all the parts. Right. It's not that one part, and we're supporting this beautiful thing called the vocal. Mm-hmm. So it takes discipline, it takes precision, it takes understanding and creativity to not get in the way. Right. But to, to keep add, it cohesive. But to right. add to that composition. Yeah. All these different things, one could play all these crazy, but that's taking away from so the beauty of it was having freaking perfect time with perfect execution of, of perfect ideas. I love it. And everyone that played in this band, I swear, that's how it was. Yeah. And everybody could feel that. Could feel it. Yeah. The same part, but someone may do a different voicing. Like in one passing chord to a bridge, you go, oh, sh- <laughs> cousin, come on, cousin. <laughs> what you doing over there? What you doing? You know? That's never leaving me now. Now that's, that's, no, that's coming with forever. me. And when you meet Peter Michael, he'd be like, cousin. And you'd be like, ah. So that's why I, I never, ever got tired of it. I, I never right. got I love that. It just was incredible. And, and, you know, having a couple of new guys come in, we would always have a little thing where we would have like a little, not a solo, but like a couple little 16 bars we could do our thing. But it wasn't like a solo thing. We would all support each other. And yeah. Not to outdo, but just to be creative. And it just became this really beautiful thing. That's why I, I, I read this amazing interview with Prince. Prince was like my hero. So well, he said it's hard. Yeah, exactly. He said, I mean. <laughs> he said it was really hard for him to go to shows until he got a bit older to go to shows and not listen to it with producer ears. Right? You go to stuff, some stuff and you go, God, they don't know the bridge. Or God, yeah. everybody's rushing. Or, ah, it's out of tune to catch him. How about just... Enjoy it. Enjoy it. If they're if they're happy and they're going, this makes them happy. Yeah. Perhaps one should get out of one's head and go, this is just the beauty of what's happening. I've talked to often filmmakers <coughs> that are yeah. that way. They're like, I I don't have the privilege yeah. of going to a movie and just yeah. enjoying a movie. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, you got to work on that. You know, I know. I know. <laughs> because you're you're not you unintentionally are not allowing yourself to experience Very the true. joy of yeah. what you're creating. Yeah. Not only you as an artist, but other people get to experience. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true. I go to shows and if I say a, a you know, I I try to be moved by performance yes. more than anything yes. yeah. because I think the genuine energies, like we were talking about, yes. off of people resonate even more than technique or yes, technical ability. Yeah, but it's hard not to be like, ooh, I know, oh. I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> even to this day, I mean, I, I have to catch myself, and I and I, I and you don't want to be an no, ego. or I don't want to yeah. be no, but right. I, but also that being said, when we do stuff, we us yeah us when we do stuff. I want to make sure that whatever I can bring to the situation to make it to that next level, I have to. Right. I, well, have I mean, to. that's the communal goal. Yeah. The product is a piece of art. Yes. Yes. And you want it to be a yeah. piece of art. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Exactly. But it is true. I mean, it's just at this point when you hear younger, like up and coming drummers, yeah. do you feel like. Narda, where you're like, do you ever feel like you see something and go, gosh, I could give you another? Yes, little... yes, I do. I do. Yeah. A lot of times I do. A lot of times I, a lot of times um, I, I just listen and, and drumming has changed so much. Um, how? That sounds, that sounds funny. Yeah, how? There's, there's this whole influx of young drummers. It's amazing. That are basically like church drummers. Mm-hmm. And so church drumming is a different concept as far as what you're playing vocally wise and what the band's playing. Because you think of, of a worship band and then you see some different worship bands, and it's like a fusion concert. And I'm telling totally. you, like sometimes the dudes are playing stuff where you're like, oh my God. It's funny I, that you say that because I'm thinking of my like past 10 years and ba- all, aside from you, yeah. 
All the drummers I've worked with are church drummers. The church drummers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was trying that, to. I was yeah, like, it's a different it, thing. Yeah, it's a and different... it's almost like like playing a lot. But then I think that the concept is a different concept for me. My age, my playing, how I grew up—that's more of like a fusion player. That's more of like a guy that plays like with a lot, with a lot of fusion, a lot of chops. Yeah. Um, whereas one can do that, but my discipline with Narda, with different things that I've had to do, is to make sure that things feel clear, that yeah. there's clarity in the composition. And you're brilliant at leaving space. I think that's a thank you, thank you, by the yeah. way. I think that's so important because to have space. I feel like it's. Similarly with, and I'm only comparing this to a vocal because of, it's what I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, something that Mariah has always done brilliantly well. Oh, God, yeah. A well-placed run. Yeah, exactly. Or a well-placed belt. Yeah. Versus yeah. a every note exactly. is the same I know. level yep. of, and with drums too, it's like. Very much so. A well-placed fill or yeah. a well-placed, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. is so much more powerful. Yep. Then I'm gonna sit here and back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. And that's cool. Yeah. But it's kind of like in its place. And it's funny you say that about drums. I say that about vocals as well. Yeah. It's like to have that perfect little ad lib. It just what happens for me is when I have that and I'm hearing stuff that I just love, I will stop and go, I gotta hear that shit again. Yeah. You're like, ooh. I'm like, exactly. I gotta hear that again. Not more. I wanna hear that one again. Right. And I think, what made that person put that in that most soulful place? Oh. Drum fill, same thing. Why yeah. is it that soulful thing? Because that... that's usually where the feeling is. Exactly. Instead of it being, I'm supposed to do this and show off or just, you know, yeah. stretch in every yeah. direction. It's, yeah. This is where it feels yeah. good. I always tell my friends, like, you know, with Randy and this guitar player that played with Mariah was named Vernon Black. Vernon Ice Black. Vernon, killer player. And so he would take little fills, like maybe like, like, maybe like twice in like 30 minutes of music. And then when he had a solo, it'd be a killer solo, but he would play these rhythm parts that were so amazing that it just added this fullness. And so if there was a fill, you'd be like, oh, cousin, yeah. <laughs> what did yeah. you do? Yeah. But if the groove was, oh my God, I mean, he played on all these amazing records because that's yeah. what he and, and that's when the arms, the hair on your arms Exactly. Up, you know? And you go, oh my God. Exactly. Right. And he and I, we just, I mean, that was once again, a Narda thing. Like he, we were playing in bands together and Narda said, who is this dude? I'm like, you have to, he's the, you got to get him to come play. Yeah. So he played on all the Whitney records we played on, all the Aretha records. All yeah. The Kitty G. He did all, and that was all Vernon. Just crazy. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So where we left off, you yes. you had parted from that camp. Yes, yes. And then at that point, were you still living in California? Um, did you? Yes, I was still living in California. And then I was, I was, I moved to Tucson to be closer to my mom. And... So your mom moved back she to moved Arizona. Back to, she moved back to Arizona. Yeah, she moved back okay. to Arizona. So I moved back there, and I, I bought a house in Tucson, and I thought, this is cool. And then I, I what was I doing? I don't remember. Then I thought it was time for me to go. Yeah. So I sold the house. This was back in 2006 or seven before everything went crazy. Right, right, and right. I, I was just kind of finishing up Mariah stuff. And so then I, I sold the house, and I didn't have a home for like two years. And I just, <laughs> and I just traveled. Yeah. I just traveled. And I think that's important too. It's incredible. You know it's what amazing. I mean? Like yeah. I especially when you've been diligent like you have yeah. and prepared yeah. and you've shown up and you've done the work. Definitely. Sometimes you yeah. just need to push a reset button for and a just, minute. Yeah. And I, I think I went to I, I went to Australia. I just I went everywhere and just I played a little bit, but I just really just chilled and just kind of hung out and went back to places that I toured. Isn't yeah. That funny? Like I went back to places that I toured. Right. And just said, funny. now let me see it from a new <clears throat> new view. set of eyes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So at what point did you meet your wife? Then I, um, 
So are so, we? So, I mean, are we in that time? Yeah, period? we are. Oh, we are okay. very good. Actually, that was well. Actually, no, I met her. No. So then I I traveled around for a couple of years. Then I had a really great buddy of mine. Name I'm going to give you this record too. Name Aaron Hindra. Okay. Aaron Hindra is an Australian man. Okay. Incredible, incredible songwriter. So I moved from Tucson, traveled, bought my house in Coolidge, Arizona. Everybody's like, "Is that in Arizona?" Yes, it is. By the way, <laughs> everybody goes, "Is Coolidge in Arizona?" Yes, fool. Um, so I bought this house there. I'm like, I don't actually know. Where you don't know where is. it is. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Just think of all the prisons. shame on me. I'm going to go look it up. You're going to look it up. So. Aaron calls me out of the blue and says, hey, man, you know, I'm working construction. I want to come to your pad and just chill for a while. I'm like, come on, dude. I live in the middle of nowhere. You'll love it. He drives out, gets there. For two days, he just sits out back backyard by the pool. We just don't really talk. He just kind of hangs out and just is chilling and hanging. And So he's like, yeah, man, I'm just kind of having a hard time because I have all these songs, but I'm working construction, but we're trying to figure out what exactly to do. This is 2009, 10. I go, okay. So it's like the day before he leaves. I go, you know what, dude? You've been here and will you just, do you mind playing a couple songs? And he goes, no, okay. So I have this little beat up guitar. I got a hold in it. Put some strings on it. Plays a song. Um, what did he play? Oh, God. He's going to kill me because I, I, I should remember this song. <laughs> it's okay. You're on the spot. Anyway, just so you know. He plays this song and at the end of it, I have tears in my eyes. And I'm like, dude. That's incredible. What are you, what are we doing? And he goes, ah. And that's such a frustrating place to be in as an artist. When you know you're writing or or emoting or creating from a really genuine, beautiful, prolific place. Amazing. And then you feel stuck somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's a tormenting feeling. It was agonizing because this genius, talented man who looks like Keith Urban, plays guitar (laughs) like freaking Keith. He's a killer. So... He's a very, he's like, he loves God, grew up very religious, but just is a very aware, really beautiful guy. Leaves my home, and his song was called My Number One. Okay. So deep, so deep. Yeah. So he leaves my home. He calls me 10 days later. He goes, me and my wife were at dinner and met this other couple of this guy that's like this investment kind of millionaire dude. Yeah. He just wrote us a check to do a record, and you have to move to L.A. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And I go, what? That's incredible. And he goes, what are you doing? I go, nothing. I'm just kind of here hanging. I'm just trying to get used to where I'm living. And he goes, well, okay. Come on <laughs> You're all, I'm living somewhere no one's ever heard of. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get used to that. Exactly. I'm, I'm living in the middle of, <laughs> literally, I lived in the middle of nowhere. Where I had the, in my little division, I had the only home there for a year. I had no neighbors. Wow. So I was like on this island. And I played drums to like four in the morning. And just as loud as you guns. wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I'm letting it out. I'm letting it out. I'm going. <laughs> so we moved to L.A. to this beautiful place in L.A. And this guy. This I'm just curious. What part? We lived in, we lived in Bel Air. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's lived, beautiful. Yeah, then we lived, on, <laughs> we lived on Sunset and Doheny. Yeah, I and know. And we'll it. come back right, to, right by the Sunset Oh, Towers, yeah, I know. It. Right yeah. there. So, I never lived there, but, I, but you I've know, driven by it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and waved. So this was and the, been like, oh, that's where the other people live. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Like, what am I doing there? <laughs> yeah. So Aaron, no. talking about positive manifesting of positive energy met this man he said he played music and this guy said i will we have to do a record yeah I'll and fund aaron's this. like i have to have my boy g everybody else will figure out yeah so we come out and I, this is crazy so we go to henson studios no i know that yeah yeah yeah. you know that very yeah, well i've been there yeah we're sitting I've, there i've recorded there yeah we're cutting <laughs> our basics 
and we have drums and guitar and all these guitar parts. And we're like, okay, who are we going to get to play bass? Engineer walks, goes to the bathroom, comes back, and goes, you won't believe this. He goes, this killer bass player um, that has a little studio here. I told him what we're doing. He goes, he'll play the bass track. And, he, and we're like, well, how much? He goes, ah, we'll figure it out. He walks in. Hey, mate. Not a, he's an Irish guy. Yeah. Great guy. He goes, uh, I didn't bring my bass, but that bass is a five string. I'll, I'll do it. So he picks up this bass. And this, I'm only telling this story because it was nothing I've ever seen in my life. He goes, play the track down one time. It's like smiling, all happy. Listening to it. Piece of paper. And he wrote with the, with the pen in his fingers like that. So I was like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Where's uh, this guy from? I have to explain that. He wrote with the pen between the knuckles of his pointer and middle finger. Yes, exactly. Which was, yeah. I had not seen anyone I've never seen like, that either. And wrote beautifully. And as the music is going by, he's going, oh. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there going, Shh. he's he, feeling it. He's feeling it. <laughs> yeah. One time through, tune up. Let's go. Prodigy plays it down. It is the track on the record. One take. His name is Paul Bushnell. Plays with Tim McGraw. Unbelievable. One wow. take. And he wrote down the music. And it just all happened in like ten minutes. And I'm sitting there going, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. So we have this one track. We play it for a couple of other agencies, and they're all like, we're in to do the funding for the record. So what we did, Aaron being a genius guy, yeah. sits and manifests positive energy. We're living in this, he was living in, I forget where he was, him and his wife were living. We were living in, me and, I was living with the, with the investor and his nephew in Bel Air, and we moved to Sunset and Doheny <clears throat> on this property that was like two square miles of one property. Oh there were four homes on gosh. the property. So we, we figured, as opposed to going to a studio and spending all this money a year, we bought a, a Neve console. We bought all this amazing gear, and we built our own studio. On the property. On the property. That was like nothing you've ever seen. We opened up the, the one doors, and it was a ballroom that was probably like 40-foot high ceilings. And we recorded all the drums and vocals in there. That's incredible. And it was amazing. And so we, I think I've said that at least eight times. In the, or I know. Maybe 20. I'm like, that's incredible. My life. That's incredible. Crazy. I know. That's incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> and we're sitting there going, this is unbelievable. And I'm glad you appreciated it in that moment. moment. You know every, what I mean? Because it's moment. so easy to get caught up in all kinds of different whirlwind, either oh, lifestyles God. or experiences and not see it for what yeah. it is because that's not the norm. No, not at all. And the point of my story in talking about this is I really, truly believe that when you put out positive, that's mm. when you get back. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I've been, you know, I'm a very positive person. I get, I get down with stuff. I get bummed. But I think of all the blessings that we talked about today, and I can do nothing but smile and just go, you know, this is unbelievable. And if I could tell my little daughter these funny stories and yeah. we laugh, and I could show her pictures, this is, it's positive. It just manifests more positivity. And seeing Aaron one of the most positive, beautiful brothers that I know in my life. And just every day, he's offering gratitude, not for what we did, but for what he's doing right now. Yeah. Just living in the now. Just being this incredibly cool, positive dude. So we did this beautiful, amazing, incredible record, and we took two years to do it. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. And in between that, so many different things happened between that. Yeah. Um, 
But once again, I didn't know what I was going to do after that one Mariah door closed. And right. this was something that I could never even Well, I was going to say, that's, that's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of the universe. Yes. That's the beauty of yes. positivity, yes. relationships, yeah. being prepared to show up Completely. when Completely. the time arrives. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, let me go ahead and just ask you the questions I ask you, because I yes. think we're at a place. I mean, I do want to know, um, you've been married. You have yes. a daughter. Yes, I've been married since, oh, I met, oh, back to how I met my wife. Yeah. Um, sorry. No, jump, don't jump be sorry. Around. You jump I, around more I than do. me. Yeah, I like no, that. No, yeah, I'm a mess. We're both crazy. <laughs> um, so Jan, Jan, yeah. the guy in, in Moscow, um, his wife, he married his wife. We went and did that beautiful show. Then later on, she decided that she kind of wanted to have a quote-unquote comeback, mm. right? So I went to Russia to just go play drums. I had this music that I learned, and it was really incredible music. And so I went there. And there were 18 musicians on stage with computer stuff. Was it a Philharmonic? No, it was like it was like crazy horns, um, violins, everything. Wow! So and they had and they were basically more Russian musicians. So I go, uh, computer stuff was just jacked. Everything was just like, okay, I get it, but watch uh, me help you improve redo, this. Redo, redo. Yeah. Let's, let's go through it all. So we went through everything, and I said, okay, I will MD. We'll get the computer stuff together, but we have to have some American musicians. Yeah. So we got this killer bass player, great sax player. Pretty cool percussionist, and they were all very highly noted, really amazing. Like the sax player played with Stevie, the percussionist played with Stevie forever. Bass player Ernest Tibbs is one of the, one of the hottest session guys right now. So I, we bring them all to, to Russia. And case in point, let's just acknowledge Stevie doesn't have crap players. No, it's just the baddest, the baddest boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Just they were crazy. If you're playing with Stevie Wonder, you're yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So all these guys are in Russia, and we're doing all the. And there's 18 people on stage, and five Americans, and the rest Russian. So I'm in there going, you know, in rehearsals going. We have the fucking groove. And they're like, ah, what does he speak of? <laughs> what is wrong with this black man? Yeah. Just like, not, not you know, what is wrong? Yeah, vodka. <laughs> you must drink. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit. So I'm in rehearsals. I see this woman walk downstairs and I'm like, what is this Brazilian woman? This is really weird. Whose wife is this? What's going on? She walks up. She goes, hi. Hi. I'm Yulia. Hi, Yulia. I'm your interpreter. I'm like, what? But you're darker than me. Yeah. And but there are some Russians oh, yeah. from Georgia that have very dark features, Absolutely. dark hair. And you'd see them and you'd think they're Brazilian or Haitian or whatever the case. Right. And full on Russian. So she became the interpreter. Fast forward, became the wife. Wow. That's how we met. That's Isn't amazing. That and that's what's so funny is to this day, little four-year-old daughter, she comes back from Russia last year. She's like speaking Russian, 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 three years old speaking Russian, looks at me and goes, Papa doesn't understand. Here's what's going on. Interpreting. <laughs> Interpreting. I'm like, God, take the I checkbook now. Oh. I swear to God. Just get at it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I love that. Four years old, Russian, English, perfect Spanish. That's incredible. That's Can amazing. she hang out with my son? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Can some of that rub off? It, it I needs would to. Love for it my... needs to. Yeah, she's, yeah. It's a whole different. And the whole Russian thing, it's a amazing Well, and I think culture. anytime you have world influence or like influence from somewhere about. else. Like we started I, talking yes. about. Isn't that funny? Yes. That's what we're saying. Yeah. And I would have never thought that my little girl, I only have one daughter, and I haven't had kids. My, I got married late in life on purpose because, like I said, it was very immature. And uh, still working on that shit. Well, but, and you have, you, you had a life path to follow. I did. I yeah. did. But this amazing little girl, just every day, we talk about the most amazing stuff. Aren't they magical wonders? It's, they really are. It's incredible. Yeah. And just to, when you wake up and just like, and it's a whole new education being an adult with a kid. It really, it really is. Because yeah. you're you're yeah. watching life lessons evolve that you have to help yeah. along like yes. your dad did for yes. you. Yes. And like like we say, I, yeah. I, 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 my dad's, I speak my dad's 
lines and words mm-hmm. and phrases every day, which incredible. is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So after this incredible journey that you are still on, yes. but uh, to this point, yes. looking back, knowing everything you know now, hmm. having all the experience you've had, yeah. being tra- well-traveled to yes. all the places you've been, what would you tell that 13-year-old kid in the basement or in the downstairs hmm. practicing, listening to your dad's advice? Yeah. With all that life experience, what would you tell that little boy? I would say, I'd say slow down and appreciate every moment. And not that I didn't, but I'd say slow down. Could have been a little bit more thoughtful and in in the moment a bit more. And appreciate not only the big stuff, all the stuff. And not that I did it. I just think that it's very important to just relish it, to understand what that moment is being revealed to you for. What what can you what can you glean from that? That's experience? such valid advice. You know what I mean. We are in, especially in a time like today, where everything's instant. Instant, instant. There's yes. people I think have lost the art of contemplation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a time when people talk about you know like Abraham Lincoln as being the thinker, right? Or, you know, there there was a period in history where people letters didn't get there in a nanosecond. Sure, that's email. right. That's right. That's so you true. had to sit down yeah. and write what you thought yeah. and it had to take a three-week journey sure, and then hope sure. that those words still held up, you know. Very true. We don't think about things yeah, in yeah. a moment anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for longer than that second. True. true. So that's really wonderful yeah, advice. Yeah. What do you tell yourself now? Um, I just, I feel like... Um, I tell myself now, that's a great question. I, <laughs> it's I, tough because we all get caught up in yeah, our stuff, yeah. you know? I just, I just really feel grateful every day for, for, for my daughter, for, for, for the life I live, for my wife, for my motorcycle, for yeah. all the tough <laughs> yeah. things. I just feel very no, grateful. but it's simple pleasures. Just that, simple yeah. things, just being able to, to for my health. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm no spring chicken, but I'm extremely healthy. No, that is so huge. At any with, age, at any age, just to be yeah. healthy and not to have things I have to worry about and and able to do everything I want to do. I don't, I don't, I feel no limitations. I feel yeah. like whatever I want to do, I can figure out a way to do it and 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 to be patient enough to kind of go. It may not be Thursday, but it'll I'm it'll happen. Gonna, yeah, happen, I'm gonna work you know? through to get yeah. to the where I'm trying to go. Yeah. What do you think has been your in terms of career, yeah. your career high, but also your career low. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, career low. Hmm. I think I think that um, losing parents. Yeah. I think that's the that's the hardest thing for life and for career. Because so for me, it's all it's. I'm not I'm not a reflection or, or a byproduct of my career, but it all kind of works hand in hand. Right. I think that's the hardest thing of just like really being able to kind of continue and not be crushed by things like that. Stuff, stuff like that really devastates me. It's really difficult for me. Because, yeah, because it's jarring. I mean, it's a personal connection. Exactly. My name is Gregory Gonnell. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, thank you for bringing it back. Yeah. There you go. That's so Narda gave yeah. me that name. Narda gave me Gigi. Funny thing is, as Gonaway, I'm the last one. I'm the last one. So my little daughter, yep. that's, that's it. Am I going to have a son? Perhaps. But... That's it. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And and for me, it's not sad. It's just it just makes me 
be well, very... Well, it's the end of, yeah. of a lineage of, a lineage. of really character is. and yeah. traits and yeah. passing downs and, and But I think that she'll get that. Not think she'll get all of that for sure. Yeah. And that will continue. But it's just a very interesting thing to think of that in a very finalistic manner. Totally. Yeah. Well, and just to that point, it's really interesting how time is, you know, shifting those ideas is that, you know, more and more I have female friends that are like, no, no, I, I, I'm not going to let my dad be the last yeah. one. Yeah. I am now going to keep my last name and I may hyphenate yes. it. Exactly. Or exactly. I may just keep my last name because and, I want yeah. that lineage to go on. Yeah. And we're at an interesting and beautiful time where those things are not looked down upon. Exactly. Anymore, which exactly. Is great. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, Gigi, I love talking to you. This I is love so this. much fun. It's so much fun. Let's do this every week. Huh? Okay. Just have a little, me, and, me you and Stevie, a little yeah, cold beer. Yeah, sit down, a cold beer, talk like about it. life. Yeah. Um, Thank you, what? by the way. Thank you. Thank you. This oh, is, my gosh. This, this is, is so cool what you're doing. I this have is... one more question for you, though, so you're not done yet. Okay. At this point, what would you say, I mean, and I, I tie it back around to the kid. It's like when you when you decide, like, the drums, and you go, this is what I'm going to do. Yes. When you wake up in the morning at this point in your life, yes. what do you wake up and say, this is what I'm doing next? Hmm. What am I doing next? And not just necessarily career-wise, no, no, but no, I mean no. passion-wise or, or just the thing that you start to find yourself gravitating to. Maybe yeah. it's that secondary thing. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's my daughter. It's examining things that I always wanted to do. Like I, like I spoke about, I, have, I, I enjoy um, camping. I enjoy, yeah. I don't hunt, but I, I love shooting. I, I love it. It's, it's a passion <laughs> yeah. for me. So I really enjoy that. So I, I really get into that. I train, I train others, I do different things. That makes me very happy because it's the same kind of discipline of practicing and rehearsing and getting really good at that. And I also really feel passionate about, about having people be inspired by what they're comfortable and what they're happy doing as well. If that's someone playing Frisbee, if that's someone swimming, I, I, I want to be able to, to inspire that positivity to help them in that way as well. And it helps me. Yeah. I, I want to learn. I want to... I don't think I've done my my grandiose, done finalistic production yet. Yeah. That's coming. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, as those things are unfolding and evolving, where yeah. should our listeners find you? Ah. And where should they look for you? And what would you like them to focus on in the medias or any of that stuff? Yeah. Um, such a weird time. <laughs> it's such a strange right? time. Find me via know. a virtual yeah. link. But I think that, I guess there's, there's not a lot of YouTube stuff. I wasn't a big YouTuber guy. There's some stuff that... Stevie Thunder shot on Instagram that's just off the chain. Cousin! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Unbelievable. This dude's got an eye. Stuff like that. I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm, I work with all my drum companies. They're very helpful and very instrumental in, in being really cool. There's a lot of different video of Mariah stuff. And so people just go out and check it out. Um, Should they look for you as Gigi Gunaway? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on the Gigi, yeah. I, I did um, a lot of different records, a lot of recordings. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I think um, this year, hopefully this year, I shot a documentary with a very interesting individual named the Machine Gun Preacher. Oh wow! Hmm. Remember that movie with Gerard Butler? Oh yeah. So the real guy, uh, his name is Sam. He is he's the real Machine Gun Preacher. So we shot a documentary a few years ago. I think that's coming out. They said after Christmas. So maybe look for that as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will definitely include your links to the yeah. to the video that yeah. Stevie shot and yeah. website or anything like that. And but... thank you for what you're doing. This is so. cool. Oh my gosh! It's, it's just, just such it's just such fun for me to be able to sit down and yeah. talk to amazing people like yourself and Thank you. and hear the story and the journey because every 
you know, experience and life counts. And yes. every, there's something to be learned from everyone. Yes. And I feel like more often than not, we leave out details. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice to get back to some details, yeah, like you know? It. Yes. So thank yes. you for being a guest. Okay. I, look I forward, really appreciate it. Look forward to doing stuff with you more, my friend. Heck yeah. Like tonight, we're on our way. Rehearse, baby. Yeah, okay. we're going to rehearsal now. Exactly. We got to go. We out. We out. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Grey Dog Guitars, located at 141 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Grey Dog Guitars is an authorized tailor, Gretsch, Guild, and Reverend dealer with a friendly, knowledgeable staff and a welcoming environment. Whatever you are looking for, whether to buy, sell, or trade, Grey Dog Guitars has you covered. So stop by today and check out their great selection of new, used, and vintage gear and check them out at www.graydogguitars.com. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.